0: All right, grab your Bible. Uh, we are in uh, 1 Corinthians. Specifically, if you need a Bible, grab one from the ends. Uh, page 959, 1 Corinthians 13. Just to give you a little bit of a recap, the past couple of weeks we were in 1 Corinthians 12. And uh, today we're going to kind of be wrapping up with uh, the 13th chapter. Last week we talked about how the body of Christ... Uh, Actually, the big burden on my heart has been, how do we as a church, how do we as individuals, how do I as a dad, as a husband, as a friend, as a follower of Jesus Christ, how do I make this exponential uh, impact on our world that just ripples out through my kids, through my community, into the world that we live in, uh, across Illinois, into the great beyond? How do we do that? And the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, God has gifted each and every perp- person with, with spiritual gifts that are meant for ministry. And uh, last week we looked at specifically how, how the body of Christ, how us, the church gathered, the church scattered, has, is, is very unique. If you look at, if you've been around church long enough, you know that every gathered community is different, it's unique. Even on the south side, in our southwest burbs, if you go from here, if you go to any other Protestant church, you go to any Catholic church, where any church, Christian church, it's different. And God has uniquely gifted each individual and each church for a specific purpose, to carry out uh, his uh, kingdom, to inaugurate his kingdom more fully as it ripples out. But what we know is that there is a specific thing, and we saw this last week, that there is, there is this need for the body of Christ to have unity, that we are, are unified because of what Jesus Christ has done in us. Unity is absolutely critical, but we would be crazy to say that unity equals uniformity. That there is just great diversity within the body of Christ. And that serves a certain purpose. And the Apostle Paul said, okay, look at at the human body. If If it was all an eye, all an ear, all a mouth, all a leg, all a foot, all a heart, all this, it wouldn't be able to function as it's supposed to. Same with the body of Christ. There needs to be diversity and unity as we work together for the sake of the gospel going out. It needs to be diverse, and that's a beautiful thing. I think a lot of times we want everybody to think like me, work like me, have the same ethics as me, be exactly the same as me, and that's absolutely insane. If any of you are married, you know this is absolutely untrue. You think that, you know, in your dating process and your courtship and then your engagement, your marriage. I'm going to marry someone who is absolutely like me and we share these exact values. and, uh, And then you get married. And you go, Lord, who is this person? But God in his sovereign wisdom has brought together different people and it's beautiful. The gifts that my wife brings to our marriage and the gifts that I bring to our marriage make it beautiful. If we were exactly the same, one, it's impossible. Two, it would not represent, it would not resemble the body of Christ, which is many parts but one body. Also, we see in there that there is a a need for interdependence. The eye needs the mouth. The mouth needs the hand. We, We need each other. And to do the Christian walk as lone rangers is suicide we need the body of christ we need each other and we need to do it together if anybody thinks that they can do this alone that's not how god has created us we are interdependent we happen to be called missio day church we work together and we depend on each other to use our gifts, our passions, our callings to accomplish what God has called us to do. And because of that, the last thing is that each of us have tremendous worth. Tremendous worth. This church could not accomplish what it does if it was not for each member using their spiritual gifts. Now, here's the thing, though. Today we're going to be moving into chapter 13. And one of uh, the Bible's simplest descriptions of god most simple description of who god is and his character uh is that god is what love god god is love now we can go too far with that that god is just this great big mush, mushy spongy kind of soft easygoing grandfatherly figure and go way too far and just say, well, that's how we define love. That It's, it's all accepting, all encompassing, just free love all the time. Well, that's, that's not really what love is, and we'll get into that in a little bit. So love for the church, love is the most blessed manifestation of the character of God. It is just, when God is made manifest, when we see God, we see the love of God, and it is rich. But John continues on by uh, in 1 John chapter 4, it says this, And the one who abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. Therefore, the most simple and profound description of a Christian character is love. The most simplest and profound description of Christian character is love so with that in mind god is love the most profound simple description of christian character is love let's read first corinthians chapter 13 if i speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love i'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have all faith so as to move mountains but have not love, I am, say it together, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver my body to be burned but ha- and have not love, I gain nothing. Nothing. That's a sermon right there, verse 7. Love never ends. For all prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we will prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up my childish ways. Well, most of us give up our childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then, face to face, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope and love abide. These three, But the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. Now I've got to say that it is absolutely tragic, as it was in in the church, ancient church in Corinth, that the love that is basic to the Christian character does not characterize, and this is can be a gross overstatement but i'm going to say it anyway does not characterize the membership or ministry of the church love was a missing piece in corinth it was a huge missing gaping hole that was just missing spiritual gifts were present in fact there was even a competition to who could have the greater gifts so it's like man i'm gonna hone my gift and be this just so that i can top this person or do better things or greater things so there's spiritual gifts were absolutely present so we can as a church take spiritual gift inventories and really work at being better teachers being better administrators all these kinds of things so spiritual gifts were were present in this church there was right doctrine for the most part there was some really messed up screwed up stuff in the church of corinth but love was absent if you look at chapter 12, 13, and 14, Paul just kind of gets on him in, 13, in 12, and he gets on him again in 14. But right in the middle, Paul just says, ah, oh, but le- let me tell you about the greatest, the greatest thing. If you even look at uh, verse 31 of chapter 12, the very end. And I will show you a still more excellent way Let me tell you about something even far more important and critical than this pursuit of gifts and talents and passions. Let me tell you the most excellent way. Let me show you the importance and the criticalness for the church of Jesus Christ to exhibit love. I believe that it is easier to be orthodox in our thinking, in our theology. And it's easier to be active in church work than to actually be loving. It's easy to have what we call right thinking, right theology. And I don't care what end of the spectrum you're on. It's easy to have the right thinking about theology than to actually love one another i don't care where you go it's easier to write a doctrinal statement than to actually put it into practice in a loving manner that just draws people to jesus christ and paul says listen it is it is critical the supreme characteristic that god demands for his people is love love one another and the truly spiritual life that we are called to have is the only life in which the gifts of the spirit can operate The health of spiritual living is not reflected in spiritual gifts. The health of spiritual living is not reflected in your spiritual gifts, but in spiritual fruit. And the first and chief of which is love. Look at Galatians 5. That could be a good reading thing for you later on. Go home, read Galatians 5, where he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And at the end, he just nails, listen, the greatest, the greatest spiritual fruit that you can have is what? Love. And if God's character is simply and profoundly described as love, and we are to reflect his love it is critical that we get this the fruit of the spirit like all spiritual living comes only from walking in the spirit being faithful to the spirit's movement in our life only walking the spirit makes a person spiritual walking by the spirit is paul's way of defining the day-to-day obedience to the word of God and submission to Jesus Christ. And the Corinthian Christians, that Corinthian church was not walking in the spirit. They were selfish. They were self-promoting. They were self-motivated. They were doing everything possible to promote their own interests, their own welfare, their own belief system. They were, they, it was all about the me. It was the me church. What can I do to propagate me? Everyone was doing his or her own thing for his or her own good with little regard to other people. In fact, they they were considered wealthy. They were financially wealthy and they didn't lack any spiritual gift. Paul says that. But they were deficient. They were deficient. And the most significant thing, again, that they missed is, is love. If you look in Revelation chapter 2, they were very much like the church in Ephesus, that they had left their first love. And when we stray from the source of our love, it's impossible. It is impossible for us to love. So here's our Greek lesson for the day. If you go through chapter 13 and you circle the word love, every time that that word is used in the Greek. It is a form of the word agape. Agapeo, the different forms of it, but agape. In, in your general Greek historical writing, agape was rarely used. It was a rarely used word because it only described a certain uh, kind of character that was rarely found within culture. But if you look in the New Testament, it is one of the more frequently used words. Now, unlike our English love, it never refers to sexual or romantic love. Agape, this, this word here, never refers to sexual or romantic love, which eros, eros, you, you hear the we get the word erotic from it is what that kind of love is uh to be used for nor does it refer to just this this mere sentiment a pleasant feeling or about something or someone it doesn't mean just a close friendship or brotherly love because there's another word for that it's phileo phileo philadelphia bro- city of brotherly love okay So, Paul is using a word that just totally is off the charts. It's hard to describe and it's hard to understand. And few people have any idea what, honestly, even here for Missy O'Day, for me, I have a hard time wrapping my mind around what true, godly, Christ-honoring love really looks like. And for all of us, that is reason for repentance. If we are called to Christ-like love, agape love, and it's supposed to be found richly in the body of Christ, and it, I honestly don't believe that it is, here or in most, let's say 99.9% of the church, it's not the primary thing that you experience. We need to repent. Most Christians, including uh, the vast majority of the United States seem to think of it only in terms of nice feelings and warm affections, even romance and desire. And I don't want to downplay what was happened when you walked up the uh, sidewalk and into this area. But for the most part, that was phileo, warm... I got a good feeling. Welcome to Missy O'Day Church. But we're being called to a different, more rich kind of love. It is a self giving love, a love that demands something of us, love that is more concerned with giving than receiving. And this kind of love is rare in much of the church today as it was in, in Corinth. And the reason is because agape love is so unnatural to our human nature. Isn't it? The first thing that I want to do when I, Laura and I have an argument or if I, I'm in some kind of conflict with somebody uh, that I'm a friend with or not a friend with or one of you, the first thing is what? Self-protection, isn't it? All of a sudden you see these you just watch body language boom, the walls go up body language changes and we sit differently don't we how we start talking our mannerisms change all that starts to to be different it is so against our human nature our human nature because sin has crept in says protect go hide Do whatever you can to defend yourself. Our world has defined love as just these romantic feelings and attraction or or even common goals. I love this person because, oh, we've got these things in common. And that honestly has nothing to do with, with true love in God's terms. So the supreme measure of agape love is God's love. And a lot of times I know this is kind of cliche and this often where churches go but uh, the verse when you think of God's love is what Well, yeah, I know there's fans. John 3:16 For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That that's that's God's measure of of love. Love is above all sacrificial it is the sacrifice of self for the sake of others even those who you may care nothing at all for and they may care nothing for you that is the measure of god's love it's not a feeling but it even hear this it's not a feeling but a determined act of the will which always, always results in, a deter, in determined acts of self giving. Love is, is a choice. One of the best advice that Laura and I were given when we went through our premarital from um, dear friends of ours was that, Paul, love is a decision. And you know what? It is a daily decision it is a daily choice i'm choosing again to love you it's an act of the will if it's an act of our emotions you know what aaron hurt me once done brent never follows up with my phone calls what done what about these guys yeah they said this and they said that i heard they're thinking this or they're different than me done Love is a a daily choice. It's an act of our will to be faithfully loving people. How? By the measure that we've been given. For God so loved that he gave. So how do we do that? In the same manner. Love is the, the willing, joyful desire to see the welfare of others Above our own. Think about how beautiful that would be if we actually had that the willing and joyful desires to put the welfare of others above our own. If I said, man, I want to see the Scots marriage just flourish and grow i want to see their spiritual well-being as husband and wife just take off i i become more concerned about their well-being not to say that you know i'm killing myself and forgetting about my my own health it's in conjunction imagine if we had a whole church of that kind of love and this this, this kind of love leaves absolutely no room for pride. No room for vanity. No room for arrogance. No room for self-seeking. No room for self-glory. It leaves no room for just me. It ne- leaves no room for this American idea of love. Love is so much of an absolute. And while I'm saying this, Turn to John 13. Grab your Bible. John 13. I don't know what page it is. It's, oh, you're good, 900. I knew that. John 13. Love is so much an absolute of the Christian life that Jesus said this to his disciples. Look at 33 and 34. Little children yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I have said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. What word is that That love? Agape. That you love. Not just have friendly relationships, not just romantic relations, but this really deep, Bust the walls out, kind of love. Love one another, just as I have agaped you. Also, you also are to agape one another. And then he ends in thirty-five. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus had no doubt about love. Absolutely no doubt. Agape love, self-sacrificing love, is the supreme mark of discipleship to him. Here's my new commandment. Love. Love one another. Romans uh, 13, 8 says this. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves one another has fulfilled the the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covenant, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Lovelessness is behind all disobedience. And love is behind all true obedience. We're told to pursue love. In 1 Corinthians 14. We're told to put on love in Colossians 3. We're told to increase and abound in love in 1 Thessalonians 3 and Philippians 1. We're told to be sincere in love in 2 Corinthians 8. We're told to be unified in love in Philippians 2. We're told to be fervent in love in 1 Peter 4. Hebrews 10 says that we are to stimulate one another To love. So, how do we get to that place where we can love each other more richly and more vibrantly and more beautifully in such a way that it reflects the love of Christ that He has for us? Here's two things, two starting places. One, we need to have a rich and robust theology and understanding of sin and depravity. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's not one of us. All of us are sinners. Some of us are saved by grace. But we have got to understand that when I get into a friendship with Rose and John Scannell, or if I get into a friendship with, with, with Diane Sexton, when I get into a friendship with Andy, when I get into these kind of friendships and relationships, I've got to keep in mind that all have sinned and fallen short. I've got to have a very robust and believe in total depravity. We're all depraved. We are all depraved. But... If we stay there, we're hopeless, aren't we? Well, that's just who they are. No hope for them. He's a sinner. And we take on the martyr syndrome. We also have to have this this rich and robust understanding and theology of grace and salvation. That God is a God who comes and redeems saves and and heals and changes and does marvelous things and in the same way we've got to understand that we we work with broken people but we also have to realize that god is still in this process of of sanctifying us making us more like jesus christ and he has brought us together as one body to be unified though diverse And we are interdependent and we work together because the Spirit is doing something fresh and new in our hearts every day. Every moment. And every person has tremendous value and because of that we can love one another as Christ has loved us. Jonathan Dodson pastor down in in Austin, Texas, describes two different kinds of communities, a community of grace and a community of convenience. The community of grace assumes imperfection. A community of convenience assumes perfection. When I come to church, everything will be right. Everybody will love me. Everything will run smoothly. Everything will be just absolutely perfect. A community of grace says, man, we're, we're still living on this side of eternity. Thank God that He's still working in us and changing us and molding us. And I can love my brothers and sisters in spite of their flaws. Because you know what? God's doing that in me. A community of grace begins with forbearance, with working through and having long a long view of relationships. A community of convenience begins with consumerism, with me. The community of grace moves to forgiveness. And look at this one. A community of convenience moves to another church. Isn't it true? Community of grace says, man, I've been hurt. I've been, <sighs> but you know what? I understand depravity because I'm depraved. I'm, I'm totally messed up. You, you are too. And I, I'm... I'm going to show you the forgiveness that has been shown to me. And I'm in the long haul with you. And I'm praying for your and my sanctification to be more and more like Jesus Christ. The easy thing, the community of convenience, I'm done. Next, we live in a society of church shoppers, don't we? And church hoppers. If that's you. That's you. Get connected. And the community of grace is characterized by grace and love. Community of convenience is characterized by convenience and selfishness. You could change community of grace to community of love. My prayer is that we become a community of love. That as we discover the richness of the gospel, we rediscover the beauty of it day by day. Another layer of the gospel becomes more real to us. And we go, Oh, oh, I am so in need of this Savior still again today. Oh, I, oh, Jesus. How do you love me? This is beautiful. And you do that for them too. You do that for us. Man, I love you. I love you more and more. That John 15, that as we discover the beauty of the gospel, John 15 is true. That greater love has no one than this. Than someone who lays down his life for his friends. But here's the first thing. As, as I preach through this, and I know that um, part of my MO is I don't always give you the, okay, today, what you're going to do is go home and do these three things and come back next week. I'll give you the next piece of self-help. And I know that's true because my wife goes, so what do I do with this? And I want you to wrestle with this. I want you to go home to your home. I want you to go home to your marriage, to your children, to your workplace and go, "What do I do with this?" How do, how do I love in a God-sized way? How do I do that? I don't have the answers. I'm not your vending machine pastor. I don't have all those answers. But I'll tell you, wrestle it out in small groups. Wrestle it out over coffee. Pray through it with your your wife, your husband, your friends. Discover together as a community how do we better love one another. And I'll guarantee this, that if we covenant together to do that, God is richly going to bless this community. Because we are looking more and more like His Son. And we'll be a a shining light in a dark world. will be fresh, cool water to those who are parched and hurt and lonely. We'll see something absolutely beautiful happen in marriages, in relationships, in workplaces. As we discover God's love, which is to be made manifest through His church, by the power of the Spirit. And all God's people said, let's pray. Father God, I'm I'm thankful that that You show Your love for us. You have shown Your love to us that while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. God, that's, that's a love that I can't quite understand and fathom. And God, I, I'm thankful for your, your mercy and Your grace in that you, you allow me to discover it and rediscover it and find new uh, avenues of seeing the beauty of the Gospel. That while I, Paul Vroom, was yet a sinner, where I was an enemy... That Jesus Christ, in that rich, self-giving, non-selfish way, gave himself up fully by becoming a man and living the absolutely perfect, sinless life that I could not live and died the death that I deserved so that I may have the life in Christ both now and for eternity. God, that is, that is love. God, I pray that Missio Day is con- constantly wrestling with what it means to be a church that is characterized by your kind of love. God, may that just infect us in a viral kind of way where it works into our workplaces where we cannot help but tell others about Jesus Christ. God, where it affects our, our marriages, our friendships, our relationships in such a way that we have such love that it, it moves us to a crazy kind of forgiveness, a crazy kind of love for one another, where it just, the world begs to ask the question, what is with you folks? And so God, would you move in this, this family, this group Would Your Spirit stir in us and remind us of the love of Jesus Christ and point us to Scripture to affirm that it is absolutely true that God is